It's a well-known fact that if you're a true Christian, you never get irritated and you never irritate. However, we all have relatives who know how to push our buttons. We all have those, um, well, maybe in your work days or if you're still working, your boss who has unrealistic expectations of you. Maybe you're driving around and there's a tailgater. Woo! Have you ever put on your windscreen washer when there's a tailgater? Just to know that they get the full force of your water. <laughs> this is nasty. Don't follow my example. People, I'm, I'm sure they get irritated with me. Read the bulletin. There's a story of how I irritate people when I drive. I do it all the time. I forget to indicate all sorts of things. People pushing in line. Irritating. Telemarketers. Mm. Often we get, we get irritated about small things, don't we? It's the way someone's, you know, while they're talking, they're just tapping or the way they eat or the way they talk. You know, just, just little things that, that if we... If, Normally, we just wash over us, but little things. And, and it's amazing that these little things can lead to incredible anger uh, and, and, in fact, almost hatred. We wish them the worst. I wish you would just die and stop. We tend to get irritated, I think, because things don't go the way that we want them to go. This is, this is what I'm thinking. I don't know if you guys... You're all saints, you never get irritated. But this is what I'm thinking. We get irritated because things don't go the way we want them to go. And we feel hurt, and we feel offended, and we feel that people should just be more considerate of us. And, and we note, of course, that irritation and anger are very closely related. In fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, which Mark read out for you in the NIV translation, uh, it, it doesn't mention irritation, it mentions easily angered. But it's the same word there, the, the same idea. The person is irritating us, it's their fault, isn't it? Absolutely their fault. It's their fault, I'm irritated, they've got the problem. Now, the thing is, of course, there are things that I say and things that I do that will annoy you. If you want the list, see my wife. She spends the most time with me. Otherwise, see anyone that I spend more than five minutes with. And if you spend more than five minutes with me, I'll have a list for you. I wonder, though, if when we're getting irritated with each other, whether it's not actually an unmasking of my own heart, I mean, people can be incredibly annoying. But it's how we react to that, that that speaks to who we really are. And as I said, at least we as Christians don't irritate each other. We've spent the last two and a bit months looking through the book of 1 John. And I hope you enjoyed it. I, I found it a confronting book and a very comforting book. And one of the things that, that John repeatedly does there is to call us to love God. And out of that, says John, we will have a love for each other that, that sort of grows as a byproduct of loving God. 1 Corinthians is written, of course, not by John, but by Paul to a church that was 
incredibly argumentative. Um, they had issues about theology. They had issues about idolatry. They had discussions about sexual immorality. They had um, arguments about spiritual gifts. In particular, that last one, some people were using their gifts in a, in a very destructive way. They were lording it over each other. I have this gift. Oh, I speak in tongues. And you don't. It's not strange to suppose that there were people in that church who struggled with anger, and in particular, irritation. Arguments, I think, quite often promote irritation. Paul writes, and, and he's, he says to them at the end of chapter 12, let me show you the most excellent way. Let me show you a better way of life. Let love change how we interact. Mark, can I borrow your microphone? This is very annoying. It is irritating me. And the problem is with the microphone. There we go. better way of life. That's, that's louder, isn't it? Uh, it's just because Mark is so softly spoken and I am not. He says in particular in verse 5 of chapter 13, I want you to love each other and if you want to know what love is, love is not irritable. Love doesn't lose its temper. Love doesn't verbally abuse the other person. Love doesn't give the silent treatment. Love doesn't get into a bad mood. Whatever we're tempted to do when we get irritated, love doesn't do that. Acting out of irritation means that we aren't really being driven by love for the other person. Love doesn't, if we're loving people, it doesn't remove the annoyance. It doesn't necessarily remove the irritants. What love does, though, is that it enables us to respond differently. It gives us the power to communicate, perhaps, our frustration properly. In fact, it even reduces the potential for frustration. You know, when, when I realize how much God loves me, and I look at that and I see, you know, if I were God and I had to look at my life, that would be so irritating. Because I say, sorry God, and then I do the same thing. And then I say, oh, this time I'm sorry God, and then I... Uh, Maybe that's just me. Anyone else like that in the congregation? And if we love God and we realize how much God loves us, that then brings us to the point of going, God loves me that much. I love God. I want to love others the way that God loves me. It's tempting. It's so tempting to blame the other person when they, when they are irritating us. Even our language, they are irritating me. 
But I think Paul would rather have us honestly face the lack of love in us. I think what we need to do is we need to be asking God to help us see people the way that He sees them and to love them despite it. If, if we really are seeking to love someone, to put their best first, we will be focusing not on their quirks and their irksomeness, but on their strengths and their potential. When they do something we find irritating, we can treat them as people God loves, instead of making it so big that that it becomes all-consuming for us. Karl Barth, the theologian from the last century, said, people can get dreadfully on my nerves, even in the exercise of what he regards as and what may well be his particular gifts. Love cannot alter the fact that he gets on my nerves. But it can rule out my allowing myself to be provoked by him. In other words, we can still get on each other's nerves. The question is, are we going to take that emotional response and pour it into irritation and all of those behaviors and attitudes? It's really difficult, isn't it, when someone's annoying you to say, right, I'm being annoyed, I need to stop, and I need to say, God, help me to love this person. Does, does anyone do that as a regular occurrence? No? That's difficult, isn't it? But, but I think that's, that's what Paul is urging us to do. And perhaps, perhaps that's even the wrong time to be asking God to give us love. That's the right time, but perhaps there's a better time as well. Maybe we'll, we'll find some, some more help if we look at a case study of irritation. And you heard it read a little bit earlier from Mark chapter 6. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's, it's a fantastic story. Um, while I was preparing for the sermon, I, was, I went through all the different verses, a bit like Mark, and I was looking through the internet going, where does the Bible mention irritation? 1 Corinthians 13.5, yay! Where else? And then I found this really great book, which is based on 1 Corinthians 13, basically going through every uh, attribute of what love is and isn't and, and exploring it. And, and he brought me in that book, and, and there's a lot of insight from, from him, I forget his name. Um, he, he brought me to Mark chapter 6. Now here we find the disciples, they've just been on an incredible missionary journey for Jesus. They've gone out two by two, they've had no bread, they've had no money, they've gone into the villages proclaiming the good news of Jesus. They've, they've been healing the sick, they've been casting out demons, they've been preaching repentance. Amazing stuff has been happening. Also during this time, John the Baptist gets beheaded. And, and we come back in, in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, and they arrive back at Jesus, and they debrief with him, and, and Mark doesn't go into details, but you can imagine that, wow, Jesus, we did this and this and this and this. Wow. No wonder they break, yeah. Now I'm irritating Steve. That was Wayne. Oh! Okay, it's a, it's a wave of irritation. Let's keep it going. <laughs> You can just imagine how excited they are. 
but they're also weary. You know that feeling when you've been working hard and it's, it's emotionally brilliant and you know if your emotions are like this for long enough, there comes a time when you just, you need a crash, don't you? You just need some time out. And they've arrived with Jesus and, and Jesus has heard uh, what they're doing and what does he say to them? He says to them, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. You know, some of the strongest times of temptation come when we've been doing God's work. I don't know if you've noticed that, but, but almost like when we're on a high, we, we almost, when we start coming off that, that's when we are more vulnerable. Isn't it weird that you can go from doing the Lord's work to being really irritated or easily angered? Maybe it's because the devil knows that we are weakened when we are drained spiritually, emotionally, physically. Sometimes we just need to have a sleep or some food or some time out or some time spent with God. Perhaps it's because the devil wants to regain some lost ground or take it out. I don't know why, but, but we are weak in that moment. The disciples, after their mission trip, they needed time out. And they needed time out with Jesus to recoup. But there's a problem. Verse 31, the second half, says that Jesus said, let's have some time out because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they've had this emotionally high, this, this spiritual high, this, wow, we're doing amazing things for God, and, and people are repenting, and demons are casting out, and all this, and we're coming back at Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, it's so good. Oh, okay, there's somebody else. Let's just keep going and push through it a little bit. And, and Jesus looks at them and says, come on, we need to get away. I find it fantastic that Jesus recognizes that they needed to get away. Jesus knew they needed time to relax and recoup and refresh themselves just being with him. Even a chance just to eat a good meal. Physical tiredness and hunger for anyone that's gone hungry and skipped lunch. I don't know about you, but I get more irritated if I'm hungry. Maybe that's just me again. Anybody else? Yeah. We need to be aware of when we're drained. And you know, sometimes we can also preempt that we're going to be drained. Perhaps if we know that we're, we're feeling drained, that is the time to be saying, God, I'm feeling drained. I know that, I know that when I feel drained, I'm more prone to taking out my frustrations and being irritated and treating people badly. See, it's not the irritation that's the problem, it's what we do with it. And say, God, when I'm feeling irritated, help me to see the other person in love. Help me to see them as a child that you love, as a person that potentially you want to be with you for eternity. Help me to see them that way. I haven't even seen anyone yet today, Lord, but, but I know they're going to annoy me. Please help me to treat them well. 
because I know, God, that in my weakness you are strong, and I know that I'm weak right now. You know, they go on this lake voyage across the way, and it must have been just that little time on the boat. They were, most of them were fishermen and just relaxing to be out there on the waves, breathing, just the 12 of them and Jesus. And then we come to verse 34, and can you just not imagine the groan of despair as they see on the shore, oh, the crowd have followed us and they've got here before us. We just wanted some time out and they've beaten us. And then Jesus gets out of the boat, he stands up, he sees the crowd, you expecting him to go, ah, but instead he has compassion on these people and he gets out and he starts teaching them. And bang goes your holiday with Jesus. And Jesus teaches for the whole day. The disciples are there listening, possibly getting more and more irritated by it all. Until in verse 35, they raise an objection. The hour is late. Lord, send the people away to the farms and the towns to go and buy some food. I don't know about you, but I think usually I've looked at that and go, yeah, that, fair enough, good call, disciples. They, they needed to do that. Or we can say, oh, they didn't realize God's power. But, but, but think about how they were feeling at this time. And wonder perhaps if the irritation finally drove them to speak. You see, they don't just speak, they interrupt Jesus' sermon. And they don't just give a suggestion, they say, Jesus, send the people away. It's a very valid-sounding argument, but I think it, it thinly veils their irritation and exasperation. And you know, sending the people away, just coincidentally, we never thought of this, just happens to give them that peace and quiet and time they wanted alone with Jesus. Oh, does it really? Oh, Jesus, I didn't realize. When we're irritated, we put what I want ahead of what others need. Uh, my heart's desire is not what you need most, but what I want most. It's not your good, but my good. And when I'm irritated, well, God's on my side, of course. Because I'm right. The issue's not with me, the issue's with you, because you're irritating. And, and we can figure out a way to, to wrap it all up in piousness and niceness. But I think at its core, when we act out of irritation we show that, that at our heart, the ultimate good is me. Even those who walked with Jesus got irritated. And can I suggest that even those who walked with Jesus got irritated, not just with the crowds, but with Jesus. No, but irritation, the problem is not with me, but in the other person. What? They got irritated with Jesus. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Christians, even Christians can get irritated. 
These disciples here didn't care that Jesus loved the crowd. He, they didn't care that, that when Jesus looked at the crowd, he saw people who were like sheep without a shepherd who just needed to know the truths of the kingdom of God. They looked at the crowd and said, you guys are interrupting our break. Jesus, send them away. And then Jesus says to them, well, you feed the crowd. Of 5,000, knowing, as I only found out this week, that the two closest towns, uh, Capernaum and Bethsaida, had about two to 3,000 people each. And Jesus said, right, you feed 5,000. And the disciples, well, they were expecting the people to use their own resources to solve their own problems. They weren't really interested in Jesus helping. They weren't really interested in doing what they could do to help. They, they cared more about the effects the other people's problem had on them than for the people who had the problem. They were hungry. They needed to be fed. And they replied to Jesus, and Jesus says, feeds them, and they say, with what, Jesus? 200 denarii. Denarii is, is about a, a day's wage. So they, they're basically saying, okay, Jesus, let's go and work for three quarters of the year and we'll pay for all of these people. Conservative estimate. Their reply to Jesus isn't a, isn't a nice, oh, disciple with halo reply. Their reply is, Jesus, we don't have that kind of money. Or if we do, it's all the money we got. It's 5,000 people, Jesus. To their credit, when, when they find the fish and the bread and, and they bring it to Jesus and they, they do what he says and they sit down the groups in, in groups of 50 and 100, Jesus prays, hands out the meager food and they pick up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. We, we know that part of the story. You see, in, in their irritability, these disciples hadn't taken the power of God into account. When we, when we act out of irritation negatively, we, we aren't just failing to love other people, we are also failing to love God. The, the disciples had spoken sarcastically to Jesus. They were telling Jesus how to run the show. Because they had the problem, they wanted time out, they needed a break, And Jesus needed to be told how to do it properly. Jesus feeds the 5,000 and shows that he can always meet our needs. That's the disciples. Have a think about whether you think they were irritated or not. I, I have a, a distinct feeling that if I was in their shoes, I might have been slightly irritated. But what about Jesus? Paul says that, that love is not irritated. Love is not easily angered. If Jesus shows us God's love, if Jesus is God made manifest, and John told us in the last few weeks that God is love, then how does Jesus respond to this situation? Jesus comes into this, this passage just as weary and tired as the disciples. He too has all these crowds around that even he is not able to eat. Jesus doesn't say, you guys go off. 
and have a break. He says, let's us go together and, and have a, a, a time out. And yet when he sees the crowds, he, he looks at them, he sees their need, and he has compassion on them. He, he loves them. His response to them isn't, oh, I don't want to deal with you now. His response to them is, you guys are like a sheep. Like a sheep. You guys are like sheep without a shepherd. You need to know God's good news. And so he gets out and he, he leaves the privacy of the boat and he, he goes to them because he loves them. He gives them what they need the most. And, and he saw their need as more important than his own need for refreshment. He sacrificed his rest for the sake of the crowd. Love allows the needs of others to set our agenda, even when it's inconvenient. When the disciples wanted the crowd gone, Jesus still felt love for the crowd. He doesn't say, oh, you're right, you know, it's been a long day. Just, let's just relax and send them away. We can put our feet up in front of the TV. No, Jesus breaks bread and fish and feeds the crowd. Instead of getting irritated with them, Jesus gives them the, the bread of God in the wilderness, like, like manna in the desert. And when the disciples, have you ever noticed that when somebody is irritated with you, it's so easy to get irritated with them? And when the disciples are irritated with Jesus, send them away, it's late, come on. Jesus doesn't get irritated with them. In fact, he uses it as a, as a way to, to teach them of how he always provides. And let's not forget that the disciples also eat the food. They, they must have been starving by this point. They eat the food and they collect a basket full each at the end. Jesus treats them with as much compassion as he treats the crowd. You know, even when we get irritated or exasperated with God for what he hasn't done for us, this is, this is how we, we think when we are acting out of irritation. God doesn't get irritated with me. Because when God looks at me, what shines brightest is not my annoying behavior, but what shines brightest is His love for me. In fact, all of my irritating sins have been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. As Paul says elsewhere, if we, I think it's Paul, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Because he loves us. This story is set in the springtime. We know this because they go to a wilderness place and we're told in verse 39 that the grass is green and in that part of the world the grass only, it's a bit like Perth. When it's rainy, the grass is green. When it's not rainy, the grass is dead. The grass is green in this story, in the wilderness. And that means it's springtime in that part of the world, and that means it's around about Passover time. And the breaking of bread, as Jesus shares this meal with the crowd, it preempts the Last Supper, it preempts the cross, God's ultimate display of love, as John has taught us in the last few weeks. It's, irrit 
it's not irritating, it's interesting that in this circumstance where there is potentially so much irritation, we see a prefiguring of God's ultimate love. Some people are going to irritate us. Can I, can I just have you all put your hands up, please? Okay. Oh, you're horrible people. You're all going to feel irritated today. Or tomorrow. Or the day after. Maybe you'll feel irritated a lot. You can put your hands down. How are we going to respond? That's the question I want to ask. How are we going to respond? Are we going to allow our irritation to to put myself at the center of my universe? Are we going to allow our irritation to make myself my idol? What I desire, the ultimate. Or are we going to try and preempt that and go, God, I know that I am prone to wonder. I know that I am prone to think that I am the ultimate. Would you be ultimate, Lord, and may I see people the way you see them. May I love them the way that you love me. Henry Drummond um, wrote and said that souls are made sweet not by taking the acid fluids out, but by putting something in, a great love, a new spirit, the spirit of Christ. Christ, the spirit of Christ, interpenetrating ours, sweetens, purifies, transforms all. The thing isn't to say, God, just make me not irritated. The thing is to say, God, help me to see irritation as a chance to love others. Be proactive. Maybe even when we feel irritated, and and I'll put this challenge to myself and to you, in that moment of irritation, why not just throw up a prayer saying, God, help me to love this person. Find out how you can bless them. If they're really irritating you, give them a hug. And ask yourself, who is the most important person in my universe right now? Is it the God who loves me enough, despite me, to die for me? Or is it me? And then ask yourself, whoever's most important, how would they react right now? Brothers and sisters, you are going to fail. Be encouraged. <laughs> you know, we, we will not be perfect. We are not Jesus. But I would encourage you to to strive to not fail. To ask Jesus to fill you with his love to the point that when people irritate you, you want to bless them. I've got a long way to go. I suspect you do too. 
Let's start the journey with Jesus. Mark, I've gone over time. If you're irritated with me, I apologize. Thanks, Nick. Irritable believer syndrome. Is there such a thing? There is, Nick.